Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in. And, well, <laughs> we've got some crazy things to talk about today, including the Time Magazine article that uh, we haven't talked about on this podcast yet. It's interesting what, what they shared in this article. I think they would have been banned if they would have done it uh, right around uh, election time, but now it's February, so I guess they can get away with it. But anyway, Time Magazine, according to them, the election was fortified but not rigged. I'm going to get into that with John Haller, today's guest, in just a minute. Uh, Father, thank you for giving us another opportunity to discern and to talk about things that are important to Christians. And we pray for wisdom, Lord. You would give us um, just an understanding of what's happening, the times that we're in, and the prophetic times that we're in. And uh, Lord, help us to always remember you are sovereign and in control. Give us strength, Lord. Some of us are feeling overwhelmed, but God, we, we need to keep fighting the good fight because I know you, Jesus, um, you went through so much for us, and the least we can do is stand up for you and be unashamed of the gospel, and we thank you for the freedoms we still have in this country, in America. Um, we don't know where it's going to go and what's going to happen, but uh, we trust you in all things. In Jesus' name, we lift up this time to you, and thank you for another day. Amen. John Haller is pastor, elder, and teacher, known for his prophecy updates. He's over at Fellowship Bible Chapel in Ohio. Got, got a great YouTube channel if you want to check out his updates there. And uh, he's been a pastor there for, I think, um, how many years, John? Well, we helped start the church back in um, April, mid-2013, mid so about eight years. Okay, and you... Before that, you were a trial lawyer, and you've been a trial lawyer for almost 40 years. Am I correct in that? Yeah, I've had my uh, Moses length of service at uh, being a trial lawyer. (laughs) 40 years, 40 days and 40 nights, or that's years, that's days. Okay, Uh, John, there's a lot... I don't know how that happened, by the way. (laughs) It was just, uh, I woke up one day, and it was like, I've been a lawyer for 40 years. Yeah, wow. Where'd the time go? Um, I had a chance to check out some of your recent prophecy update the most recent one called muzzled and that's kind of going to be the theme i think for today uh muzzled uh, censored uh, canceled banned um and i'm gonna go to george orwell because i know you i think you quoted him as well he said whoever controls the image and information of the past determines what and how future generations will think whoever controls the information and images of the present determines how those same people will view the past. And then he said, he who controls the past commands the future. He who commands the future conquers the past. And I think about the education system in America. I think about the Democrat media. And I, we're in a lot of trouble, John. So we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, where would you like to start? Because uh, that Time Magazine article is fascinating. But you had some really good points in your prophecy updates. So uh, where do you want to go, sir? Well, we we can start with the Time article. Where I would really like to start is back about 2010. <laughs> I would like, you know, and they go back to then because uh, it was 
that was merely under the uh, the first of Obi- of uh, what I now call the Biden administration. Biden, so yeah, three terms. <laughs> uh, the the Time article was very interesting <laughs> in that it had it, it it essentially says, look, there really was you know a corporate America turned on Donald Trump. There was a concerted effort to. Uh, do all these things to to get him out of office by big tech and corporations and even people that were uh, supposedly Republicans or on the right. And he's, it says they're really and, and it says, you know, that it, it really was a conspiracy mm-hmm. of all these different groups. And, and they even say in the article uh, you know, Donald, Donald Trump was right. It was the article is titled "The Secret History of the Shadow Campaign to Save the 2020 Election." And as you said in your introduction, if you or I got on Facebook and stuff and made these allegations without citing Time Magazine, <laughs> we would be banned and yep. blocked. Yeah, uh, deleted. I, I have friends who have been banned for you know essentially said you can never be on Facebook again. Uh, because of what they've posted, um, which are, you know, I, I don't know, they certainly go against the narrative. So right now we're in this situation where I don't think I've ever seen uh, the propaganda, the, the concerted propaganda effort to control the narrative of what's going on in the world. It mm-hmm. is. Yeah, it, it it's shocking to it, me. Yes, and I'm a is. lawyer, okay? You know, I'm 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 the guy who you know we're we're told to control the narrative and how things go in the courtroom. This is just absolutely shocking to mm-hmm. me that this happens. You know, we know at the height of the Soviet Union, the reports were that at least a million people were employed in the Soviet Union solely to conduct propaganda and disinformation campaigns. Wow. And uh, and in fact, um, I can't remember the guy's name. There's an older guy. He's passed away now, but he did some interviews back in the 80s. Yuri or something was his name. And he he was a Russian defector, and he said, you know, we, we developed good weapon systems and everything, but where we really felt that we could undermine America – was internally by taking over their children and you know indoctrinating them and then within a couple generations you have uh you have essentially chaos in society and they've played both sides of this they've tried to um they they tried to control the narrative on the right mm-hmm. and on the left mainly to create conflict within the society and this is exactly what's happened. This is sort of like we're living out Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals with the way the government is doing things right now. So the Biden administration, and I'm going to call him the Biden administration because <laughs> everything I see indicates that this is Obama's third term. Mm-hmm. And there was an, an interview that uh, Obama gave with Stephen Colbert, and, and, you know, and he sort of did it in a joking way, and he said, you know— if I could figure out a way I could sit in my basement and my sweats and I didn't have to get dressed and go to the office, but I could just kind of pick up the phone and control everything, 
that would I'd be great with that. I could just sit at home and watch TV and and run things for my for my family room. Well, he can now. Well, <laughs> we, I, we certainly. I, I I think he is at least all the people that he put in place and that were employed by him and and some of his organizations. Remember, he had that big organization that he put together called uh, Organizing for Action. Yes. And we never heard much about that. But we see where these – so we, it, it seems like he's sort of orchestrating things. Now, maybe he's not – maybe these people have been trained by people way above Obama's level hmm. uh, to do these things. But it's pretty clear that we're in a, a situation where they have just um, really just sort of torn down uh, American culture. Uh, you see it. There, I mean, there's things that come out every day. I mean, so Biden, Biden is in there, and I think he's up to like 58 executive orders. This is the guy who said during the campaign, uh, "Boy, if you're if you're uh, administering things by executive order, you're really a dictator." Well, now he's doing he's done 58. I think in the same time frame, Trump and Obama and the other presidents have done somewhere between six and six and eight executive orders. He's he's up to like fifty eight, so it's pretty clear that, and and these things are not something that you just sit down at your computer and draft. You have to run them through lawyers and all these other people to make sure they comply with the rules and procedures and that type of thing. So for him to put it, and remember, he's it's um, so he had eleven days in January that he's been in office, and this is what February eleventh. So he's only been there three weeks. Three weeks. 50, three weeks. Over 50, 50 executive orders now, and he called. 60. Yep, he called Trump a dictator. Friends, understand that we have been duped and scammed by the liberal media activists and by the Democrat Party. They forced. They they throw accusations at you. I think that's a Solinsky tactic. I know the the accuser of the brethren is Satan himself. But the accusers will throw well, that's who accusations. Alinsky, by the way, Alinsky. Book two. Yep, and, yeah, exactly. And this is what's happening. People are on the defensive because you get accused, but they're doing the exact. In fact, they're taking it to a higher level. Like you said, the executive orders and other administrations have not even been close to what O'Biden is doing right now in office. And people are just kind of going, well. I don't know. Throw up your hands. Nothing we can do, right? We. Oh my goodness, John! I get so well, frustrated had, by this. I know, I know you. I know you do, and I listen to you. And by the way, I, David, I think you do as good a job as anybody with your daily show. You really have. And I'm not saying that because you have me on, <laughs> but I'm saying that because I really do believe you're doing great work. Oh, with praise the, God with the mix of people that you have on. Hmm. But yeah, and the question becomes, what can you do? So I mean, so. These things are coming out one after the other. Uh, there's bills being proposed in Congress. You know, there's this HR one, mm-hmm. which will complete sort of uh, institutionalize the what I would term the electoral chaos that we had in the presidential election. It will nationalize that everywhere because it worked for them. Uh, we have there are three thousand illegal entries every day on the southern border when it was a thousand the left was running around everybody's running around it's a crisis it's a crisis it's three times now what it was Mm. and i just saw this morning that biden is putting back in place um detention facilities for 
for children. I thought this was uh, illegal and abhorrent. No, there's a word they're using, though. It's not, they don't call them cages. What do they call them? Um, overflow. Overflow. Overflow facilities. John. Yeah, so, so this is this is part of the prop the, the, the co opting of language. Yeah. You know, the old saying in the Soviet Union was that the uh uh the present you could figure out it was the past that kept changing. Mm-hmm. Um, the history kept changing because whoever was controlling the narrative. And this is exactly the situation that we have we find ourselves in. There's another bill out there, uh HR one twenty seven, which will completely gut the Second Amendment. And you know it's going to get through. Well, yeah, because they control everything. John, can we stop for a moment before we go back to the Time Magazine article, sure. which which is surprising? I, I want to talk about HR one for a minute because I, I just just assume even Christians that are somewhat informed do not know the details about this. It's a top legislative priority of Pelosi and and Schumer and um, uh, the Democrat tyrants. Uh, what what they want to do first of all. I did my article on it this week. It's the For the People Act. John, it's For the People. This act, H.R. 1, they called it For the People. Mm-hmm. Well, it died last year. Um, I believe, I, I don't know if it was House of the Senate, I think. It died last year in the Senate. But now, of course, Democrats have complete control, but they want to take the power from states and the citizens in those states and, and federalize elections. So tell us a little bit Which about... Violates- yeah, HR1 violates the 10th amendment or 11th or 12th amendment. Well, they don't care about that. Yeah, and and so so here this is well I'll just read Nancy Pelosi's statement on the reintroduction of the for the people act. It's for the people. Of 2021. So you need to understand <laughs> there's there's certain operative principles when a leftist which is most of the democrats now uh not not classic liberals but a leftist uh speaks they're lying. And they will always accuse you of doing what they do. Mm-hmm. So here's what she says. Our democracy is in a state of deep disrepair. Americans had to overcome rampant voter suppression, gerrymandering, and a torrent of special interest stark money just to exercise their right to vote. Now, listen, David, it is well established that during the Obama administration that – remember those big settlements they had with banks and financial institutions? Yes, and yes. Where did all that money go? Oh, it went to the victims, Right. No, it was laundered through um, unrelated NGOs to leftist organizations that are using it to fund all their the chaos that they're bringing in. Trump put in place a executive order, and this came in near the end of his administration, to stop that. You could not have a, a financial settlement with these billions of dollars or hundreds of millions to go to people who had nothing to do with the lawsuit. This is what this is what Obama did. That was one of the first two or three executive orders that came out from Biden was to undo what Trump had just put in place. Hmm. So they're so they're trying so listen, they talk about dark money. Their money is so dark it doesn't even register. Uh and so, the, and so they come in with this fake act, and what essentially what they want to do is they want to take the mail-in voting and the lax standards and all that stuff and nationalize it. So yeah. maybe we were able to do it in the, the swing states this last time, but now we want to do it nationwide. We want to do it everywhere. And that's essentially the purpose of H.R. 1. 
She says H.R. 1 will protect the right to vote, ensure the integrity of our elections, hold elected officials accountable in the era of big, dark, special interest money in our politics. This, so you need to understand, when she says that, what will happen will be the exact opposite. Yeah, if you read and, what Heritage put out and from other uh, organizations mm-hmm. that, that have gone into this in depth, it would prohibit voter ID requirements and the H.R. 1 would restrict signature matching. It allows automatic voter registration. It puts limits on systems and time frames by which states can remove dead voters from voter rolls. It takes redistricting out of the control of the state legislatures. It prohibits states from restricting felons from voting. So many other things. But, John, here's one I want to, and this is going to, I think, transition nicely into what we're going to talk about more later um, it would require disclosure of donors for certain politically active groups and a public database. And this is something that we need to be careful of because remember what happened to Josh Hawley uh, last month, his Republican senator from Missouri. He wasn't at home, and a mob came outside his house yep. in Virginia and attempted to intimidate his family, vandalize his property. His wife had to file a criminal complaint. Here's what he tweeted. Tonight, while I was in Missouri, Antifa scumbags came to our place in D.C. and threatened my wife and newborn daughter who can't travel. They screamed threats, vandalized, tried to pound open our door. Let me be clear, my family and I will not be intimidated by left-wing violence. So the Democrats in H.R. 1 think it's a good idea to allow these the, your name to be public record if you donate to a Christian or conservative or Republican campaign or a nonprofit. John, your thoughts on that? That's con- very well, concerning. Look, they are they are institutionalizing doxing. And look, it, it, the, the notion that we have much privacy is, um, it, it is kind of a naive notion these days. I mean, there, there's all kinds of information. I could probably, it would t- probably take me five minutes to find your address and where you live and all that other, that type of thing. But what this does is it, it will make these donor lists public and you will have doxing with us. I'm thinking of my pastor friend in Bakersfield at a, a Christian school, a young man uh, put up, there were, there were kids in the Christian schools posting stuff during Zoom classes in support of Black Lives Matter. I don't know if we've talked about this before or not. He put up, Black Lives Really Don't Matter. And now what he meant by that, and the kid's 15 years old, okay? He meant by that, and look, it was probably, it was inappropriate for him to do. It was a, it was a stupid thing to do, okay? And, and, but we, we sort of uh, should understand people do stupid things, and we don't destroy their lives over it. Yeah, teenagers. But, yeah, he's a teenager. He's 50. I mean, how many stupid things did you say when you were 15? Um, I I, uh, I am going to remain off the record on that. Yeah, I, I, yeah you'll take the Fifth <laughs> Amendment. I'm your lawyer, so we can claim attorney-client privilege. <laughs> but, so what happened was that the mother of the one of the girls who was posting the pro-Black Lives Matter stuff started posting the kids' contact information all over Twitter. Wow. It was shared thousands of times. He got hundreds, if not thousands, of death threats 
the parents of the young man went to the school and he was told, well, your son was inappropriate in what he said he's going to be expelled. So they withdrew him from the school so that would not appear on his record. Hmm. So listen, this is what will happen. They will t- Remember the um, Proposition 8 in California? Yes. What they did was they dug into contribution lists. The, the guy who started Firefox, Mozilla, he had contributed to Proposition 8 because he wanted to support traditional marriage. The activist groups got a hold of his address. Published. He got fired by the company that he started. <laughs> yeah, I remember he that. contributed to Proposition 8. So this is... This is where this is going. So, I mean, this has been going on for a while now. H.R. 1 will institutionalize that kind of doxing, and that is very concerning to me. And so, listen, what I would normally say is, listen, if you're you're going to be out there in the public, and you and I are, and other people are, and I'm not going to stop, but we have families, just like Senator Hawley has a family. And they came and threatened his family. They did the same thing to Tucker Carlson last year. Yeah. And so normally you would say you need you need to have adequate protection around your house to protect your family. Well, now they come out with HR one or HR one twenty seven, which make it almost impossible to get a uh, a firearm. Yeah, we've got to take a break here. John Haller, we're talking about prophecy. We're talking about being censored, banned. And by the way, HR one uses key elements of California's election law as their guide. So my goodness, so much more to talk about, including that Time Magazine article when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest today is John Haller, and you can get more information on him and his prophecy updates on the Fellowship Bible Chapel YouTube channel, which we will link in the podcast notes at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Time Magazine has an article out that came out um, a week or so ago, or maybe less than a week ago, but it's fascinating because it goes into detail about how the shadow campaign anti-Trump forces conducted an all-out effort to ensure that he was defeated. Now, it's an interesting left-wing activist, big business, squishy Republican operatives, um, and here's what President Trump said um, December 2nd, he said, within days after the election, we witnessed an orchestrated effort to anoint the winner, even while many states were still being counted. Uh, John Haller, I remember seeing Biden put up the fake podium of the non-existent office of the president-elect. Of course, we know that we cannot possibly have two presidents at the same time, but he pulled a page out of Obama's playbook because he came up with that office of the president-elect, which doesn't exist. So your thoughts on this process and the getting into the Time magazine article? Well, maybe we should also say that uh, I suspect that Obama has a uh, an organization. Well, he had this organizing for action thing, but maybe he has an office, the office of the, um, you know, the secret president in, in his basement, running things in his family room. You know, it's interesting in the Time article, it says that, you know, Trump complains about the election. And then it says, in a way, this is the Time article. I'm quoting from Time.com. Which we don't okay? recommend. We're not recommending Time magazine by any stretch. Well, Right. I, but I read this stuff because I want to know. I read yep. the New York Times, I Post, and all these other places because I want to know what the enemy's doing. It says, in a way, they say Trump was right. There was a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes, one that both curtailed the protest 
and coordinated the curtailed the protest and coordinated the resistance from CEOs. Both surprises were the result of an informal alliance between left-wing activists and business titans. And this is a, it's so obvious that this is what happened. And yes, uh, you, um, well, maybe it was during the break, you were saying you were mentioning Anderson Cooper. Yeah. Anderson Cooper is com- comparing what happened on July or January 6th with uh, the Rwanda genocide. Now listen. Wow. There was a policeman. There was a policeman that died. There was a lady who was shot and killed, and there were a few others that died. But I believe they died of natural causes. But there were people that were injured. There were things that went on during that protest that were inappropriate. We have to admit that. Yes. And I don't know if I should share this or not. I, I'm going to do it. Go ahead. I've had a number of people contact me, uh, including a person at church on Sunday came to me and said, um, my relative, I'm not even going to identify whether it's male or female because of the way these crazy people go these days. They were at the Capitol. They were there at the, the big rally that took place where you know Trump's, I don't know if he spoke or spoke over video. And then from there, the people went to the Capitol. But she said as they were standing there, two buses of Antifa-type people came up and uh, one of the people confronted them and said, are you Antifa? And they were met with, we're going to kill you, get the F, you know, and, uh, you know, a string of invectives and, mm-hmm. and, and foul language came from them, and they headed off towards the Capitol building. I'm just telling you, I have had several people contact me with that information. I will agree that people that were Trump supporters went to the Capitol, they were inappropriate. It appears, though, but that not everybody some of the stormed ones... the Capitol. People no, had, right. headed toward the Capitol, but storming the Capitol and causing any kind of violence, that's a completely different thing, and that was the minority. Well, and I have pictures that I pulled off of C SPAN videos. I don't know if they're still up there. And the people are going into the Capitol, and you know how in the Capitol Rotunda they have those, those ropes with the steel post and the the fancy ropes, the queue lines, they're, they're, I hate to use the term queue lines, but <laughs> the, uh, the, you know, how you would uh, funnel people through. And they're, they're walking like two by two in, in perfect order through the Capitol Rotunda. Now, later it did get kind of chaotic, but then I also saw videos of people at the speaker's podium praying. So, this was so some of this was planned. I don't think you can blame it on Trump. So now we have this sham impeachment. So the, so the shadow campaign conspiracy is identified by time. Now they're going after the non-president to impeach him in this sham show trial. And one of the things, remember the policeman that was that died during this this protest. Mm-hmm. They've never released the autopsy. No one has been charged. Wow. They have all kinds of video. Yeah. The family has requested people not to say much about it. And But the, the narrative on the left is, oh, look, they killed the policeman. Well, who's they? Is, we don't even kill the policeman. It's a, it, it's a total made-up sham. Hmm. And somebody needs to, and there are conservative writers out there. There's a website I would highly recommend right now that seems to be doing great. Victor Davis Hanson's associated with his American greatness. Mm -hmm. 
they're covering this. Uh, Dennis Prager on radio is covering it. I know you're covering it. I, I I don't know what to say. All I can say is what's going on in the in this sham impeachment thing is a is a travesty. Uh, yes, it is. Crying out loud, you can't even get Lindsey Graham to support it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, John, real quick on on this impeachment, it is are they using this as a diversion to cover up either Biden's executive orders? He's acting like a dictator, and nobody's calling attention to it. Hardly anybody is. Are they using the impeachment? as a diversion for something else that they're doing behind the scenes. Typically, well, that's what they do. Is is yeah, that how they're using this? Why well, are they doing this? They know it's not going to go anywhere, right? Yeah, there's two things, by the way. As I noted Sunday and my update, even the New York Times had an editorial last Saturday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday that said, hey, Biden, ease up on the executive orders. The <laughs> even New the New York Times. Times, oh my goodness, that's and funny. And either the Times or the Washington, I think it was the Washington Post, <laughs> had this massive chart across two pages of all the different orders and proclamations and stuff that he's doing. So even they're concerned about it. So listen, part of what's being done is there's trying to create a narrative that anyone who is a Trump supporter, and then the Trump supporter become evangelical Christians mm-hmm. and conservatives and pro-family types are extremists and terrorists. So you see Anderson Cooper saying very clearly, you, you can find it very, I played the clip on Sunday of him saying, this is just like what happened in the Rwanda genocide. No, no, it, Anderson Cooper, it's not. A couple million people died in the Rwanda genocide, I think. Maybe it was seven or 800,000. Well, you know, he can get it away with not, this, though, because people aren't informed about history. They don't know. They they think it's a fair comparison. Well, if Anderson Cooper said it, it must be true. And that's how idiotic it can be. Right. And then you have this lady on um, MSNBC, <coughs> MSNBC in the morning, <clears throat> and she's saying, well, you know, it's very interesting uh, – during the Bush administration, we got one of these uh, al-Qaeda leaders, or during Obama, we got this American al-Qaeda cleric uh, that was in Yemen. We got him with a drone, and, you know, maybe we need to start using drones here, you know. Oh, that means you kind of wink, wink, nod, nod. And this is this is the people we're dealing with. This is the rhetoric. There is, there is no reason to compromise with these people. These people are evil. They are completely out of control listen you're going to see what they really are like now that they control um the everything presidency and the two branches of congress we're seeing it so john you're saying that we can't reach across the aisle and compromise (laughs) republicans are so good at that though compromising (laughs) uh well we're also exposing who you know the republicans really are Mm. more like liz cheney i mean some of the stuff mitch mcconnell said has just been Appalling. It's a it's a head scratcher. It's like are these these people double minded? What is this? I mean, who, they're trying to please everybody. Um, but well, John, go oh, go ahead. Here, well, here's how bad it is. Okay, here's the article. You can find it. In fact, it's in the New York Times today or yesterday, but it's also on MSNBC. And what the article says is, hey, this is the, the education minister of France. Macron, the president of France. Now, these guys are not raging conservatives by any stretch of the imagination. They're globalists. Yeah. And essentially, they have come out and they have said, America, keep your woke professors 
that are po- pushing this critical race theory and some of this other nonsense. We don't want them coming to France because they're destroying our culture. The leftist social democrat president of Denmark has said we don't want any more immigration because it's destroying our culture. So here we have a situation where France, France, this is France where hundreds of thousands of people were beheaded Mm. in the progressive revolution under the Jacobins. They are now saying, hey, America, you guys don't know liberty. You don't know our French principles. We don't want your elite here. You're destroying us. Interesting. This is, as Dennis Prager on his radio show said, I think it's time for France to demand that the Statue of Liberty be returned. And Dennis, (laughs) who's very pro-American, says... I would give it back mm-hmm. because we don't deserve it at this point. We don't. We're so far gone. And we've got to, we've got to understand um, this is not going to get better. Um, yes, there could be revival. could be a great awakening. I don't see a, a lot of repentance starting with the church, but um, that's for another time. That's speculation on where we're at spiritually. But, John, uh, even this language, the rhetoric that's coming out now that they're open about, you know they've been thinking about this for years but now they're saying it out loud. I'm looking at this one article, talk of deprogramming Trump supporters as giving refugees from communism flashbacks. Uh, discredited former CBS News anchor Katie Couric uh, rebuked Republicans who op- opposed the impeachment of Trump, suggesting 74 million-plus Americans who voted for him need to be deprogrammed. She said, the question is, how are we going to really almost deprogram these people who have signed up for the cult of Trump, she's not a rabid uh, mouthpiece on CNN or MSNBC or a late night um, political hack pretending to be an entertainer. She, th- this she worked for CBS. She's mainstream, and she's saying this. John, your thoughts on this dangerous rhetoric? Well, this this is the problem. This is what I talked about with that uh, the gal on uh, MSNBC Morning Show, and she does this all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you can almost pull a clip every day off. Anderson <laughs> Cooper does it. This is the narrative that we're all terrorists and extremists. And so now they're bringing in this H.R. 127 bill and what's that? on firearms. Okay, it was, it was introduced by Sheila Jackson Lee, who is one of the most radical leftist yes. Marxist members of Congress, and essentially says to get, a, to get a concealed carry or a firearm, you're going to have to pass a psychological test. You're going to have testimonials from your spouse or family or former spouses that you're not a violent person. And all this stuff. So, that, so everybody who was there in the Capitol is a terrorist. Let me. There's a guy named Coy Gardner. I think his name is. This man. He started an organization called Cowboys for Trump. They would. They were ride on horses at Trump rallies. Okay. <laughs> Pro American guy. Great guy. He went to the protest on January sixth. He was identified as being on the lawn of the Capitol. He was then brought, they were prosecuting all these things through the same team that did, that went after Roger Stone and Michael Flynn in D.C. And they had this, so he gets to the judge for his bail hearing. It's a misdemeanor trespass charge, David. Hmm. Misdemeanor. He said during his thing, he did not consider Biden to be legitimate. He is being held by this fascist judge 
without bail. He's been in jail oh for goodness. like 30 days. Wow. We're not hearing about you, that. You need to go to, you need to go to, I know you need to go to Mary, and this is happening. Lawyers who are going or thinking about representing these people, people who did Trump, <coughs> excuse me, the Harvard, I'm choking on my own words here, <coughs> the uh, Harvard uh, Law School just said, we don't want any former Trump administration hired as lawyers or speakers or anything to do with Harvard. They're proposing to take away the degrees of people who went to Harvard, like uh, uh, the the press, the last press uh, lady, the uh, Kaylee uh, McEnany. Yeah, Kaylee. Oh my goodness! So they're (laughs) she's a Harvard law grad. They're they're proposing take away her degree. Now I don't think they can, but this is the mentality. We have to cancel all of these people. Get them out of culture. Listen, it's like a cleansing. People people who (laughs) went to that rally. Just because they went, they're being fired by their employers, and they didn't even go in the Capitol. Right. The New York Times last week had a – and to their credit, look, I don't agree with much of the New York Times, but they've been doing a thing over the last year and a half called the Privacy Project. You can look it up, um, get a month subscription, read it, and what they're showing is the tracking information. Remember the the – Students going to Florida during the COVID outbreak. Yes. They showed how you can go and buy. They went and they said, "This we can buy this data from private companies. And they showed all the people, all these little green dots and everything, and how they went from the rally on January 6th over to the Capitol. And then what's happening is people are, so you have that going on, that law enforcement can get that. And then people are going through the, the encouragement of law enforcement, going through people's social media accounts and say, hey, look, here's my friend. Let's picture him at the Capitol. And they're turning them into the police, even though the guy didn't do anything. Wow. And they're getting charged. And then a guy like Coy Gartner, he, the judge confronts him and says, and, you know, if you don't think Biden's a lot, you're a, you are a danger and a threat to society. And I'm going to have you held without bail. At the same time, at the same time, Biden is putting in all these rules about uh, ICE and immigrants, and immigrants who are even being held on sex offense charges are being released from jail. Yep, that's the Biden administration. That's what they're doing. And we yep. knew that. He didn't, oh, he, it, was, it wasn't a secret. Before he was elected, it wasn't a secret what he's doing now. We're just amazed at the speed uh, and, and with which he's he's doing everything, uh, all these executives. But John, one thing you said somebody was, by the way, David, if I can interrupt, go ahead. Somebody was cranking out those executive orders in somebody's basement over the last four years, yep. getting ready for this moment. Yep, way before this election. Yes, yep. they had planned it out. No, we've got just a minute left, but we're, we'll we'll switch gears when we come back. But this is for a lot of people that are listening. This is disturbing. If you're a Christian, you're going. Wow, there's, there's so much coming against us. These are very prophetic times. Uh, we can talk maybe a little bit about where America is in Bible prophecy uh, when we come back, but we know that um, they've got a hold on this nation, uh, the left does. And Satan, you might as well say, Satan's got a hold on this country, and this was one of the prizes. Um, so how can the church respond We'll talk a little bit about some of the other things you sent. We'll talk about geopolitics, which we haven't really touched on. We really want to talk about Israel. And um, we got so much more coming up with John Haller on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth 
with David Fiorazzo. Our guest, John Haller. We're going to transition now to Israel and the Middle East. And, uh, John, uh, you keep your people up to speed on geopolitics and a lot in your prophecy updates. So share uh, just some thoughts on what's happening now that we're really not aware of because our media doesn't really yeah. report on it. Well, um, first of all, uh, Israel's in a very precarious place. Um, there are reports, and I reference them quite uh quite often. There's an organization called INSS. I'm not going to remember what the uh, strategic uh, think tank. It's based in uh, Netanya, Israel. They have conferences all the time. They recently had a conference. They also released a thing called uh, Strategic Assessment for Israel. So if you go to the INSS, I think it's inss.co.il website, you can download the strategic assessment. It's about 8,500 pages. And it will tell you what Israel, uh, the thinkers in Israel security think about the potential for conflicts. And one of the biggest conflicts that they talk about uh, is the northern border. We know that from Ezekiel 38 and 39 prophecies that there will be an invasion someday. I don't think that 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 invasion is imminent, but I think we see a lot of things being put in place. Israel's making daily raids almost now. Uh, bombing sites around Damascus. Iran has kind of pulled back to the uh, Iraq-Syria border uh, for some of their facilities. What they're trying to do is put forward bases in so that they could have a, a, their missiles would be in better range. Iran continues to develop missiles. There's estimates that they're anywhere from six weeks to two years from developing a nuclear weapon. Israel's leadership, the IDF Leader Kachavi has come out. He did a speech at the INSS conference, and he essentially said, "Listen, we are not going to. Um, we we would think it would be a huge mistake to put the JC the the agreement, the nuclear agreement, the JCPOA with Iran back in place." And he said that, and and he also said, "We're going to take care of ourselves. We are drawing up battle plans." We're going to protect the self. At the same time, there's election chaos going on. They're having their fourth election in two years in in mid-March. I think two days after the Ides of March, I think it is, uh, or two days after Passover, maybe, uh, that they're having the election. Uh, Netanyahu was in court yesterday pleading not guilty to a bunch of charges. So they're going after him just like they're going after other leaders are being gone after. Hmm. There's an interesting parallel there. But Kochavi, the leader of the IDF, came out and said, listen, we're, we're not going to stand by. It would be a mistake. It would lead to a nuclear Middle East, uh, which we don't want. Which It would create a nuclear arms race. Because what's happening is, look, Israel's smart. They see all the people that are being hired by the Obama administration, Blinken as Secretary of State, uh, Wendy Sh- Sherman, Deputy Secretary of State, a number of other people, one person who is a radical anti-Israel BDS supporter being put in uh, in national, I forget which national security agency, someone that in most administrations, if they were thinking about national security, they wouldn't even consider him because he couldn't get a security clearance. He's being put in one of the top jobs. And Israel sees this and they say, listen, we have to, we're going to protect ourselves. So they're a little sops that are thrown out by the Obama or the Biden administration. <laughs> listen, we're going to uh, we're going to let you, you know, we're going to keep the Israel, the uh, ambassador, the uh, embassy in Jerusalem, but they're reopening things in the Palestinian areas, Interesting. which Trump had closed down. And then this is just, a, I think, a tragic story that happened yesterday. 
um, up at Mount Ebal, which is in um, Shechem, sits in a little valley, the biblical city of Shechem, it's modern-day Nablus. In Nablus is a place called Balata, which is one of the worst Palestinian refugee camps. When have the, when the, how did they be? What do we mean? We have a Palestinian refugee camp. I thought the war was in 1948. <laughs> yes, it, it, uh, in Israel, um, in the Palestinian areas, they keep these refugee camps. They keep people in these refugee camps because they are they are essentially political pawns. Uh, I have seen them. I I have. Seen seen Balata up close. There are luxury apartments around Balata, but there is this horrible refugee camp there. It is where some of the most extreme uh, uh, suicide bombers came from, this camp. In fact, David, we were there three years ago, well, almost four years ago now. You drive down the street of Nablus, and every intersection is a martyr square where they have a picture of this young kid smiling it's take it's a it's a painting of a photograph they took the day he went and did a suicide bombing or she did a suicide bombing in israel wow. and killed people and that a lot of them came from Nablus. so in Nablus, there are a couple important sites there's jacob's well less than a quarter mile away is the biblical city of shechem and just really on the other side of shechem is joseph's tomb where i believe that joseph you know who they drug all over the um, the desert for forty years in the wilderness, uh, and finally buried him there in Shechem. So Shechem sits in this valley. You have Mount Ebal and you have Mount Gerizim. There was this thing in Joshua where they had half the people on Mount Ebal shouting the blessings. Uh, they divided six tribes up here on Mount Ebal, six sides on Mount Gerizim, six tribes on Mount Gerizim shouting the curses if we don't follow what God has commanded. Hmm. You need to understand when that event occurred. It's a natural amphitheater. It's very interesting geographically that they chose this. But there are probably over 2 million people on these hillsides doing this. And the the local population, the Canaanites, are probably like, who are these people? Uh, In fact, there's archaeological evidence. You can see at the British Museum where um, one of the kings wrote to the pharaoh, and he said... uh, Man, we're being overrun by this these these Haparu people. These he we really the Hebrew people. They're, they're, it's it's written in stone and cuneiform. I've seen it with my own eyes. So up on Mount Ebal, they have discovered which I believe is archaeologically proven to be Jacob's altar, the altar that Jacob erected when they came in in the conquest after the Exodus and the wandering in the wilderness. Hmm. Palestinians came in. I don't think they damaged the um, the altar itself, but some of the retaining walls around there uh, were damaged because the Palestinians claimed they were building a road. Listen, this is a where is UNESCO? Where are all these uh, World Heritage Site people that that complain when Israel, um, you know, exercises its rights to have a synagogue at the cave of Machpelah in Hebron? They say nothing. This is this is a crime against humanity. Hmm. The biblical archaeological evidence that you find in Israel that proves the Bible is absolutely stunning. So I'm going to do something. Uh, when we were there, uh, we were taken around. 
uh, just Pam and I for a few days by Joel Kramer. Joel is a uh, from Utah. He is a great apologist. He's been doing archaeology now for probably 15 years over there. He is the epitome of a student, and I am telling you, I learned in three days. I got a, and I had taken biblical archaeology in college. I got a master's level course wow. from, from Joel. We went to Mamre, we went to Hebron, we went to the ancient Tel in Hebron, Shiloh, Shechem, Samaria, uh, Jericho, um, where all these things are proven. And there's a there's a concerted effort by archaeologists to hide this. He has a new book out called "When God, Where God Came Down: The Archaeological Evidence." Joel Kramer, K R A M E R, where God came down. You can get it at Amazon. It's in paperback or hardcover. This is um, hmm. this is a book, and it, it's not very long. It's maybe 150 pages or so, but phenomenal pictures, drawings. Showing the archaeology of different sites throughout the Holy Land, Hebron, uh, Bethel, I. I mean, I've walked the tells with with Joel. Hmm. I would highly recommend they get you. This book will renew your faith. And Joel is a great apologist. He's done some videos uh, like archaeology in the Book of Mormon, um, refuting you know some of the claims made in the Book of Mormon. Um, he, this just came out a couple months ago, right? Uh, yeah, it did just come out. I, mm-hmm. Somebody who's a friend of Joel, I, I didn't know that it came out, and they sent me a copy. I got it last night, and wow. I'm like, this is like, my my first comment was, man, if I knew he was going to write this book, I wouldn't have maybe paid so close attention when we were going around with him, <laughs> taking notes and stuff. But uh, th- this is what I really wish that Joel had died. Uh, uh, the Herodian, we went to the Herodian with him, uh, Herod's you know, mountain where he had his palace and where he was buried. Uh, he shows a, the concept. This is a great book. If you want to understand biblical archaeology, you want to see the visuals, you want proof of, of things that you see in the Bible that support your faith, this is it. We'll try to get a hold so of him and maybe have him on, uh, do a you podcast should have him with on. him. He lives in Jordan right now. Uh, but send me an email. I, I can get you uh, his email address and contact information. Okay, where God came so. down, archaeological evidence. So, John, we've got like three minutes left. Um, whatever you want to wrap up with as far as what's happening over well, yeah, with Israel. The other thing, yeah, the other thing that you need to watch, so you need to watch uh, what Hezbollah and Iran are doing in Syria. I think, and there are these continued forays into peace agreements, with the different uh, Arab countries, um, Saudi Arabia still has a lot of power economically. I mean, they, they cut production the other day. Did you see what happened with gas prices? No. Well, gas prices have jumped up like 30 cents a gallon uh, around here. Part of that was because Saudi Arabia cut production, which protected, raised the price of a barrel of oil, which percolated through the markets in like two days. <laughs> So Saudi Arabia still has a lot of economic power, but the, I'm concerned about these Abraham Accords from a biblical, biblical prophecy thing. I mean, we like peace and everything, but we know that these end time, this end time agreement, ultimately these things that, that with Israel and the Antichrist will have a huge economic component. And so my concern is that 
while there's good, there's also you've got to look at what possibly can happen. The other thing I, I think is, so you need to look at Syria and Hezbollah. You need to watch Turkey. Erdogan in Turkey, he's proposing a new constitution to put him in place for life. He is a radical Muslim. Uh, he is he has operatives all over the world. He you know he dedicated a mosque outside of Maryland. His security team beat up people at the at, outside the White House. This is how. And they've caused chaos in France. France even came out with what they called the French version of Islam. They've appointed a commission to deal with the radical Islam problem. And so there's been a war of words between Macron and, and Erdogan. Erdogan continues to make forays in the eastern Mediterranean to control the flow of gas there. Um, he's busy in Libya. He's busy in Sudan. I know he's working with Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt and in Jordan, and he's also uh, papering money all throughout the West Bank, uh, East Jerusalem, wow. uh, the Palestinian areas, to try to, to cause chaos there. So keep an eye an eye on that guy. All right. He's very significant prophetically. All right, John, uh, hopefully uh, we'll get into more uh, geopolitics next time. I know that's one of your specialties. We'll start with that. Yeah, right. we'll start with that. But that's uh, people can get that in your prophecy updates. John Haller, you can look him up. We'll link to him in the podcast. Thanks for being with us today, brother. God bless you. God bless you. All right, when we come back, we'll let you know who our guest is tomorrow. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. All right, tomorrow. I forgot that uh, we did not schedule a guest tomorrow because we have so many articles and topics to discuss, including a little bit more detail on the H.R. 1 For the People Act. We're going to talk about that power grab. Also, how uh, Laura Logan uh, talks about on calls to deprogram conservatives, and she said this was never about Trump. Interesting point there. Um, also, we're going to talk about the tyrannical left's sinister conspiracy to silence conservatives. Great article over at Jewish World Review by David Limbaugh. And robocall check scams. They're getting people's emails and people are falling for it. We'll talk about that. Plus, um, Eric Metaxas and Christian Solidarity International set an all-time record of 1,600 slaves freed in Sudan. That and a whole lot more election integrity and other issues tomorrow. We'll update you on a lot of these stories and uh, talk about these articles. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.